I would encourage people to come back to Bible study, right? Is one of those off to get tackled? All right. I normally don't have a funny because I, I have a hard time finding funnies, but I found something that really tickled me, so here goes. A woman answered the knock at her door to find an obviously destitute man who wanted to earn some money by doing our jobs. She was touched by his need and asked, can you paint? Yes, he said, I'm a pretty good painter. Well, well, she said, here's a gallon of green paint and a brush. Go around the house and you'll see a porch that needs repainting. Be very careful. When you're done, I'll look it over and pay you what it's worth. Well, it wasn't more than an hour later, he knocked on the door. All finished, he reported. Did you do a good job, she, he asked. She asked, yes, but lady, let me tell you, that wasn't a Porsche, that was a Mercedes. Oh. Oh. I know. <laughs> okay, so today we begin our study of the Messianic Psalms. Shortly before his ascension, Christ told his disciples that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. You find that in Luke 24, 44. The Messianic Psalms preview the nature of Christ, his work, his rejection and suffering, his death and his resurrection. Today we will look into Christ's willingness to do God's work as outlined in Psalm 40 and his willingness to take on a human nature shown in Psalm 8. So who or what do you trust, ladies? You might trust your insurance company to pay a claim if you have an accident. You trust that you'll get your paycheck or your social security check on time. Maybe you trust your savings to help you through financial times, tough financial times or unexpected expenditures. You trust your friends and your family to be there when you need them. But the only way to know the trustworthiness of anything is to see what happens when you have a need, right? Well, often we put our trust, um, what we put our trust in just doesn't deliver. David, who had no lack of material goods, who had power as king, and who achieved so much in his life, says, Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust, Psalm 44. He knew without doubt whom he could really count on and where to put his trust. God is the only one who can offer eternal security and guarantee a safe foothold, foothold when all else fails. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my, step, my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Verses 1 through 5. David wrote Psalm 40 after the Lord had delivered him from some very distressing situation. He had been plunged into a horrible pit and into miry clay and couldn't get himself out. 
Since David doesn't mention anything about sickness or insults from his enemies, some theologians believe that it was some inward disquiet arising from a sense of sin, maybe some sort of depression. Even in this despondent state, he expected relief from no one but God. And he waited patiently, which indicates that the relief did not come quickly. No matter what distress or trial there is in your life, ladies, illness, pain that won't stop, unhappy relationships, betrayal, financial problems, be resolved to wait with assurance and with patience. Continue to believe and to hope and pray and be open to God's, to accepting God's answer. So often we have a resolution to our dilemma already worked out in our minds and won't accept anything else. It's like we decided what needs to happen and then God just needs to follow our steps. If God works a different result, who are we to claim he hasn't answered or isn't faithful? David rejoices that God heard his prayers. He didn't wait in vain. The Lord brought him out of the pit of despair and set his feet upon a rock. He was once again on solid ground and God steadied him as he walked along. Christ is that solid rock. In him we too can find firm footing. David was filled with joy. He sang a new song because his heart was renewed and leading him to praise God for everything he had done. David wants everyone to see the new hymn and to revere and trust in the Lord. God works for us and in us. And like David, we should be thankful and full of praise. All of God's wonderful works show us that his thoughts are toward us. That's amazing that the almighty, all-powerful, self-sufficient God should think of us and work toward our ultimate good. This brings us to the direct Messianic reference found in verses 6 through 8. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will. O oh my God, and your law is within my heart. These words are brought up again in Hebrews 10, 5 through 10 and are about the first coming of the Messiah. The blood of millions of sacrificial animals could only cover up sin for a little while, not take them away completely. The only value in the sacrifice of animals was in their pointing to Christ. They were shadows or types of good things to come. They kept sin covered until Jesus came into the world. Only he could permanently take away sin through his complete sacrifice on the cross. Jesus became man in the truest sense of the word. He was created as a man by God the Father through the Holy Spirit. Psalm 40 verse 6 states, My ears you have opened, and in Hebrews 10:5, a body you have prepared for me. MacArthur asserts in his notes that this doesn't represent a significant alteration in the meaning of the psalm. The Greek translators regarded the Hebrew words as a figure of speech in which a part of something signified the whole, so that hollowing out of ears was part of the total work of fashioning a human body. Therefore, when speaking of the coming of Jesus in the world, the book of Hebrews mentions the body and not the ear. However, the ears are also for obedience, to listen and to do. One of the servant songs of Isaiah, Isaiah 50 verses 5 and 6, 
states in speaking of the Messiah, the Lord has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. Psalm 40 verse 8 states, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. He was obedient to the Father in everything, and he fulfilled the will of the Father and the requirements of the law entirely. Throughout the Old Testament, there are countless places where it speaks of Jesus, toward whom everything is directed, and who is the perfect fulfillment of everything that was foretold. Some of these references are found in Daniel 9, Isaiah 53, and Psalm 22, which we will be studying later on in this series. Jesus opened the way to our salvation and redemption by the fact that he placed himself under the law, was obedient to it, and fulfilled it in our place. Therefore, therefore Hebrews 10, verses 9 and 10, is aligned with Psalm 40. Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ for all. When Jesus came into the world and lived among men, he declared, I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. John 5, verse 30. And again in John 8, 29. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. Jesus fulfilled the will of God more fully than the entire law, the sacrifices, and the commandments could ever do. What a wonderful message for everyone who is in Christ. In and through Jesus, we are made rich in everything. I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips, O Lord. You yourself know I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. Do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Then let them be ashamed and brought to mutual confusion who seek to destroy my life. Let them be driven backward and brought to dishonor who wish me evil. Let them be confounded because of their shame who say to me, Aha, aha, let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as your love, your salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified, for I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. Verses 9 through 17. In verses 9 and 10, we see that David's life is filled with praise, pro proclaiming God's faithful and loving acts in behalf of his people. He is not silent about God's praise, and this is a testimony to David's own faithfulness to the Lord. This, along with his praise for God, for his past mercies, forms the grounds for David's present appeal for help in verses 11 through 17. David knows that God's faithfulness is perfect. His love is absolute 
and his promises are irrevocable. He loves us in spite of our constant bent towards sin, and he keeps all of the promises he has made. Therefore, David is not ashamed to tell the Lord that he is poor and needy and requires God to be his helper and his savior in the midst of his troubles. He knows that the Lord has been his rescuer in the past, and he trusts that he will be faithful to rescue him again. Okay, a drink? <laughs> And then on to Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Verses 1 and 2. Psalm 8 is framed between the first and last verse, both stating the same. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Verse 1 also adds, who have set your glory above the heavens. The Lord is sovereign over creation. It reflects his glory because it is his handiwork. It is perfectly under his control. No Big Bang Theory could produce such a magnificent piece of clockwork as the universe. The glory of God is magnified in his creation. David sees the exalted position of man as the capstone of the entire universe. Wonder of wonders is the fact that Lord God, that the Lord God who can hold the Milky Way in one hand can take infinite interest of you and of me. God's ways are not our ways. Modern man emphasizes beauty, intellect, wealth, and position. In contrast, God emphasizes the weak and foolish in the eyes of the world. In the humility and the innocence of a child, he has established strength. God has chosen to reveal himself in such marvelous ways that children can understand him. Uncorrupted and unbiased minds recognize God without any difficulty. His greatness, although far above all the heavens, can still be comprehended and appreciated by a child. God will reveal himself to us if we will humble ourselves and believe. Psalm 8 is quoted four times in the New Testament. Psalm 8-2 is found in Matthew 21-16, where the children cheer for Jesus and the chief, the chief priests and scribes challenge him. After the second cleansing of the temple, Jesus healed the blind and the lame. When the children saw what these wonderful things, they began to cry out, Praise be to the Son of David. The chief priests and scribes were indignant and said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise? These religious leaders had seen all of the miracles too. The evidence of God's power manifested through Jesus was evident to them as well, yet they chose to be indignant. It did not escape them that Jesus was claiming the right to be worshipped, to be worshipped as God. In verse 2, the phrase, you have ordained strength, can also mean you have perfected praise, the praise of his strength. Almighty God, whose glory is displayed across the heavens, uses the praise of little children to darken, to silence the dark powers arrayed against him. He displays his strength in unlikely vessels to silence the enemy. 
Satan and his fellow adversaries have nothing to say when God works so mightily in an otherwise weak person. Jesus told his accusers who he was and who they were. He identified himself as God, worthy of praise, and the indignant scribes and teachers as the enemy and avenger described in this psalm. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? Verses 3 and 4. David knew the value of simply considering the glory of God's creation. He knew what it was to look up into a starry sky and consider what a great God had made this vast, wonderful universe. According to current estimates, there are 250 million times 250 million stars. I, I can't even figure out that many zeros. The universe is so big that if you were to travel at the speed of light, it would take 40 billion, billion with a B, that's like boggling, to cross from one end to the other. It is all the work of God's fingers and was created in just six days. Let's compare the proportions of that vast universe with the finger of God. MacArthur writes, the anthropo, okay, this word, anthropomorphism, which means, I guess, giving human attributes to God. Thy finger miniaturizes the size of the universe in the presence of the Creator. We can understand why King Solomon said, but who is able to build him a temple, since heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him? Second Chronicles 2.6 Considering the greatness of the heavens also made David consider the relative smallness and insignificance of man. God is so big that he makes the universe with his fingers. Man is dwarfed by the universe, yet David did not doubt that God was mindful of man. He thinks of us and considers what we do. Even though the universe is a marvelous handiwork of God, man is the greatest expression of God's thought. The destiny of redeemed man is eternity in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The destiny of the stars is fire, 2 Peter 3.12. Not only do we see the glory of God in his creative handiwork, but we also see it in the highest form of his creation. It pleased God to make a people for himself. God has given man a position that is second only to the Godhead. He created man for a divine purpose. What is man that you are mindful of him? The Hebrew word for man used here is enos. E-N-O-S, and it means mortal, weak, or frail. It describes man from his impotence, his inability to fulfill God's purpose because of sin. Yet he is still the crown of creation. And the son of man that you visit him. The word for man here is Ben Adam. God visits the son of man. He is the special object of God's love. Man in sin and shame cannot visit God. However, God in his mercy chooses to visit man. For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. 
verses 5 through 8. Man was created to be the image of God on earth. He was the crown of creation and was set in the position to be Lord of creation, little l. Everything was to be subject to him. He named all the animals. But what became of man? A creature fallen in sin. His fall was so catastrophic that he, who should have been Lord over the animals, was tempted and dominated by an animal, the serpent. David is amazed that the Lord would even deal with man, let alone love him more than all else. Are we really worth a thought? He has nothing to lose if we were to ignore... No, that's backwards. He has nothing to lose if he were to ignore us, but we lose everything without him. You are not a whim of nature, ladies, but a loving thought of God who wants to have you with him. God wants to spend eternity with you. David saw that God made man a little lower than the angels. The word translated angels is Elohim and most often refers to God himself. There are some theologians who believe that David meant to say that God is a little, that man is a little lower than God, stressing the idea that man is made in God's image. When this passage is taken up in Hebrews 2, 6 through 9, and applied to Christ, the writer of Hebrews translates Elohim as angels. In this passage, the focus is directed away from mankind and toward Jesus. In him, in his perfect life on earth, in his death and resurrection, man regains the position that was planned for him by God. The redeemed will reign with Jesus during the millennium on earth, and this dominion will continue forever. This will far exceed the position originally intended for Adam. Fallen man is weak and incapable of dominion over his own thoughts and desires, much less crowned with glory and honor. That which we lost in the first Adam will be recovered in the second Adam, who is Jesus. Through Jesus, we will gain far more than we lost in Adam. Jesus humbled himself and assumed the nature of man. He became the son of man, adding a genuinely human nature to his divine nature, and thus also became a little lower than the angels. Psalm 8, 5 and 6. For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Speaks prophetically of the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, and are fulfilled in him. This is seen in the comparison with Hebrews 2.9. But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Ephesians 1, 21 and 22 echoes the writer of Hebrews stating, Jesus Christ is far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church as also does 1 Corinthians 15:27, that states he has put all things under his feet. Think about what the 21st century looks like on this globe we call Earth. Our world is deeply traumatized. There are gaping wounds everywhere and no one is there to heal them. Terrorism on a massive scale 
economic problems, political instability, nat natural disasters, crises, and turmoils are everywhere that you look. Our comfort lies in knowing that Jesus is coming back as the perfect ruler to reign in glory over the earth. Everything will be put under his feet. Every knee will bow to him. He will be seen returning with mighty power and glory. He will be given dominion over all the heavens and all the earth. All the angels' might and power will be subject to him. His name will be above all names. O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Let's pray. Father God, we just ask you to help us to see Jesus over all the glory of the universe. We thank you, Father, that through him, your thoughts are directed towards us. Lord, please open our ears and understanding of what you have for us to learn about our precious Savior in these songs. Open our hearts to be able to grasp the immensity of what you have done for us through the work of your Son, Jesus. Lord, it is in his precious name that we pray. Amen.